I was, uh, I lived near Sacramento, California, and I was speaking at a church that I was out there quite often and um, talking, and we got to talking in the lobby. This gal was leading worship, and uh, I forget her name. I'll, I'll look it up, Ken. I'm going to show you a picture. And she says, she says, you're from Grand Rapids? And I said, yeah. And she's, well, I'll, I used to lead worship at a church in Grand Rapids and blah, blah. I said, yeah, I used to work at Resurrection Life Church. And, oh, really? Do you know Ken Reynolds? I'm like, Ken and I are tight, you know? I mean, we haven't talked for a few years, but I faked it. You know, of course I know Ken. Darnest, so that's right, it was awesome. So, yeah, she says hi, her and her husband, Scott. I'm thrilled to be here. As I mentioned, I live near, uh, near uh, Sacramento, California, and I flew in last night and just really excited. I got to share at uh, Res Life Holland. You guys know you have a location in Holland, and God's moving, and Pastor Jesse's doing a great job, so just be grateful for how, you know, the Res Life, the, the heart of the church keeps going out further and further and further, and I want to thank you, uh, Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie, for letting me be here tonight. I'm just uh, really thrilled to be back home and just trying to invest a little bit in your life. So are you guys ready to go? Just get down to business? Okay, let's do that. Um, open the Bible, if you have one with you, to Matthew 14, and we're going to go there in just a moment, but when I was in high school, I wasn't a very good student in high school, I'll just tell you that, but I looked really cool. In fact, we got a picture here that I want to show you. Now, come on, that's an awesome picture. I mean, do you love, what do you love more, the sweater or the hair? I mean, like, I mean, sir, you could use some of that hair. You could probably, you know, use, I mean, that, that was back when life was king, and that, that was awesome. That's my senior picture. And I remember something in my senior year that I'll never forget, and I was in Mr. Perry's sociology class. At least I think it was sociology, because I had, a, like, a little bit of a fog going on at that time in life that lasted quite a while until I started coming to Res Life Church, to be quite honest with you. But I'm in sociology class, and I sit in the back corner, so like back left corner of the room, so right back there, and I don't know what I did, what I said, but Mr. Perry lost it. He started looking at me, and he gets off, and first of all, he was, he was, you know, he wore the khakis and the white shirt and the tie, kind of like a Pastor Dean kind of guy. And, and, he, and he was you know, the, the school teacher. And he looks at me and his face is all red and he, his veins are starting to bulge in his neck and he raises his voice and he literally does this. He says, Mr. Rogers! And he's all shaking like Don Knotts, you know, like go back a generation. Mr. Rogers! And I'm just like, oh no, bad moment here. And he says, do you know that you are the only senior in this class? And that was the truth. Everyone else was a freshman or a sophomore. I don't know why that happened, how that happened, but I was the only upperclassman. And he says, you're the only senior in this class, and do you also know? He's just leaning into it. You are the only one flunking this class. You are getting an F. That's what I felt like. Uh, and that was also the truth, though. I had just wished it was in a more private conversation than in that moment. Fail. Anybody else here like me and you've ever failed at anything in life? Like, only, only a third of us. Okay, I'm just talking to you. The rest of them are liars living in denial. <laughs> let me ask you that question again. Anybody here ever failed at anything? Okay, let me just kind of paint the picture. Maybe it's at work and it's on the job and... 
Perhaps you fail in delivering uh, a, a project on time or you lose an account because you fail to ship on time or something happened and you got fired. Is this, a, is this a fail? Or maybe if you're married, anybody here married? You ever have a moment in marriage you're like, oh, this isn't working. This is like, feels like it's fail, okay? Let me go further. Anybody here a parent, okay? You ever have that moment as a parent you're like, Oh, dear God, they're not going to turn out well. I'm failing as a parent. Anybody ever feel like that? Okay, I'll just try to state my case even further. Anybody here an Ohio State Buckeye fan? Yes, we all fail. We all fail in life. It's just, it's just the way to, okay, so we've all failed. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel like a failure? I mean, just like who you are. Like, I'm just feeling like a failure. Thank you for not leaving me alone. Let's just say something that we already know, that failure is a part of life. It just really is. But I want to say something to you here that I honestly, with all the authenticity I can say, I pray that you sincerely grasp the statement I'm about to tell you. And if you are even 25 and under, I'm going to, you can take this to the bank. If you will take hold of what I'm about to tell you, it will save you from a lot of heartache and grief as you go through your life. And it's this, failure is an event, not a person. I want you to say that with me, would you? Failure is an event, not a person. It's an event, it's not who you are. We all fail. In fact, when you look at scripture, the people that God used to do incredible things to further his purposes in the world failed much along the way. And I want to take a look at our person of interest for just a few minutes tonight, and that's Peter. Everybody know who Peter is? Everybody say Peter. Peter. If you're not familiar with who Peter is, when you start reading the Bible, you're going to find this guy all over the place in the New Testament. Let me show you his resume just for a moment. Peter is one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 apostles. Peter is the guy whom the Holy Spirit used to pen two of the epistles in the New Testament, 1st and 2nd Peter. Most scholars tell us that the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, is literally Mark writing down what Peter is telling him. Peter's the guy who Jesus looked in the eye and said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's quite an impressive resume, don't you think? At the same time, Peter had a number of moments of failure in his life. And I think, okay, so how can a guy like that chosen and set aside and used by God, how can he fail so often? Well, I think I have the answer. It's because he's just like you. And he's just like me. He's a human being. And if we go to Matthew chapter 14, here's what's going on before we read it. So Jesus and the disciples are doing their thing and Jesus did, um, just did a miracle and they fed over 5,000 people. They took a little bit of fish, a little bit of bread and he supernaturally multiplies it and they feed thousands of people and then Jesus tells his disciples, he says, hey, get in the boat, go across the lake, this is the Sea of Galilee, this is a pretty big lake, this isn't some small little pond. And he basically says, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get away some time of solitude in prayer, and he says, I'll meet you later. 
So that's what's going on here. So go to Matthew 14, if you have your Bible. The text will be on the screen, too, for you. But uh, here's what it says. Matthew 14, verse 25. It says, at about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Now, just, just pause for a moment, because many of us have read this a number of times. Just try to grasp or re-engage with this reality. He is suspending the laws of nature and science. He's walking on water. Verse 26, it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. I mean, wouldn't you be? Middle of the night, a silhouette is coming towards you on top of the water, and like I'm almost like diaper moment right there, right? And it says, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost! Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. And then in verse 28, our person of interest pipes up. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, now just think about this for a moment. Who else is it gonna be? Lord, if it's, if it's really you, I mean, it's certainly not Merle Bramer or anyone like that. He's walking on water. He says, Lord, if it's really you, Tell me to come to you walking on the water like, Jesus, if that's really you, can, can I do the same thing? That looks really cool. And then what's Jesus respond? Yeah, come on out. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Now, how many of you guys are tempted right now to roll your eyes and go, I've heard this before and I've heard half of the guest speakers that Pastor Dwayne has had come over the years or talk about this walking on water. How many of you guys heard this before? And you're kind of like, yeah, okay, been there, done that. Okay, here's how I've normally heard this taught in a context like this. And I'll do my best, okay? Forgive me if I, if I fall short. <clears throat> when the Lord calls you to step out of that boat and take a leap of faith and trust in him and do what he calls you to do and you're walking the journey of trusting in the Lord and the winds and the waves and the trials and the temptations of life come beating against your life and you start to sink. What do you do? You reach out your hand. Jesus, save me. And what's he do? He put, how many of you guys have heard it that way? And you know what I have to say about that? Amen, right? All day long, amen to that. But here's where my mind goes when I read this. When you're the only one who stepped out of the boat, everyone sees when you start to sink. Everyone sees. But let me encourage you. Don't let what other people think keep you from attempting something great for the glory of God. Don't let other people, what they think about it, affect you. And when you do step out and say, God, I think you've put this on my heart, or even I see it in your words, so I'm going after it, and it doesn't go according to plan, and it starts to maybe fall apart and look like it's starting to fail, just remind yourself, at least I stepped out of the boat. At least I stepped out. And if you ever are tempted to have a sense of embarrassment because something is failing that you thought God called you to do, wear it like a badge of honor because you stepped out of the boat. Let's get back to the text. Matthew 14, verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, and here's what he says. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? 
When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshiped him. They said, really, you are the son of God, they exclaimed. Now, think of this with me for just a moment. How many of you are, are like me that when you read the Bible, especially the narrative, you read it with a, a tone of voice in your head? Like their, you know, their tone is you know, such and such. And when I read this, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he is laying into Peter and he's rebuking Peter. Look at it. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? But let me ask you this question. Do you think he's rebuking Peter or is it possible he's celebrating Peter? Let me speculate. I don't know, but go with me on this thought. What if instead of him saying, Peter, why did you doubt me? You have so little faith. What if instead he's going, why did you doubt? You had so little faith. Look what you were doing. Dude, you're walking around the boat. You're walking on water. It's never been done. This is amazing. What if he's celebrating him instead of rebuking him? Let me give you an example of what you and I would do. Let's say uh, you're the parent of a four-year-old child. And let's call him Jimmy. And you are training Jimmy to uh, off him training wheels on his little bike. Okay? And you're on the driveway. You get where I'm going already, don't you? And little Jimmy's on the bike. You're like, all right, come on, Jimmy. Here's what we're going to do. Training wheels are off. It's all about the core. We've been doing the core exercises. That's your central points, your balance. I'm going to push you down, and you're just going to paddle Jimmy, and you're going to go right on down the driveway. It's going to be awesome. Are you ready, Jimmy? And you know, Jim, like when I was a kid, and my dad did that for me, we had a dirt driveway, but I, I just had shorts on. Now kids got like hockey outfits on, right? With like all the padding and all this kind of stuff. It's going to be okay, Jimmy's on there. All right, here we go, Jimmy. Ready to go, Jimmy. Start pedal, start pedal. Go, go, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Gosh. Jimmy, you're a punk. Look at you. Falling all over. What? I can't believe. That'd be a bad parent, wouldn't it? We don't do that to our kids. They made it halfway down the driveway. What are we doing when they do that? That was awesome. We're going out for ice cream and pizza. And you, what, what do you want, Jimmy? Congratulations. Why would we expect our Heavenly Father to be any different than that? I'm just speculating. I think he's celebrating Peter in this moment. Let's get back to this. How many of you guys are with me? You're like, okay, I, I see that. He might be celebrating Peter. Anybody? Okay. So here, well, here's the cool thing is, you know, stepping out of the boat, it, it, it can be scary, right? I mean, stepping out of the boat and going all in with God, like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, whatever your word says, I'm like, I want to try to live this out, and I want to love people like you tell me to love people. I'm going to invest my resources in the kingdom. I'm going to step out of the boat, and I'm going to trust you with this, and it can be pretty scary. And God, what if it doesn't go according to plan? It starts falling apart. It can be kind of scary. But here's the thing. Failure, it's not fatal. Well, there's one exception. There could be one time, but that's it. It's just one time. But all the other times, failure isn't fatal. Step out of the boat and trust God. And here's the thing is, what do we do when we fail, though? Because we all said, like, I know I'm going to fail. 
I, I would even suggest, you know, the scariest part is to, to stay in the boat, living a risk-averse life, unwilling to try anything that requires God to show up and come through. But when we have those moments where we fail, let, I want to encourage you, don't waste the failure. Learn from it. Failure is an event. It's not a person. When it happens, don't let it go to waste. Lean into it and learn from it and say, God, man, this didn't go according to plan. This didn't go good at all. Show me what I can learn from this. Show me how I can do it different next time. Show me where you want me to grow. God, I want to learn from this. Everybody say, learn from my failure. Let's take a look back at Peter. Turn your Bible over to Matthew chapter uh, 26. Matthew 26. Let me set up the context for you here. Because Jesus is soon on his way to the cross. And he's talking to his disciples and he says, hey, here's the deal. I'm just paraphrasing. He says, uh, they're going to come, they're going to arrest me, they're going to beat me up, then they're going to kill me. And by the way, all you guys are going to desert me. And they all say, oh, no, 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 no. No, Jesus, we're in this with you to the finish. Never. And then Peter, he's a little more vocal. He says, yeah, and by the way, I'll never leave you. In fact, Jesus, I would die before I desert you. Well, Jesus gets arrested. Guess what happens? Eleven of them scatter, and Peter follows them from a distance to watch what's going on. And they're asking Jesus a bunch of questions. They're spitting in his face, beating him to a pulp with their fists. And Peter's kind of out watching all this go on. Here's what goes on. Go all the way down to uh, Matthew 26, verse 69. Verse 69 says, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and, and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus told Peter when he was like, I will never leave you, I will die for you, and then Jesus said to him, well, the reality is that before the sun comes up, the rooster's going to crow. I mean, before the sun comes up, you're going to deny me three times and the rooster's going to crow, okay? So get back to it, he says, verse, seven, uh, verse 70, says, but Peter denied it in front of everyone. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody say number one. This is his first time denying him. Verse 71, later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man. So he, he's like, well, I wasn't with him. Now he's saying, I don't even know him. Everybody say number two. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And verse 74 says, Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. Number three. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny three times that you even know me. And what's the next sentence say? And he went away weeping bitterly. Now try to empathize with this as best you can. Peter has walked with Jesus. 
He's seen the miracles. He's experienced his presence. He's, at one point, his life is sold out to the cause and the mission of this, this man. I will never leave you. In fact, I'll give my life for you. And then he denies him in the course of a matter of hours, three times. And he, but he says, I don't even know who he is. What are you talking about? And then he says, the scripture says he wept bitterly. Have you ever failed someone you love? Anybody? You ever failed yourself? You ever feel like you've failed God? Here's the thing. I said failure isn't final. Or fa- failure isn't fatal. But it does start to become final when we believe that that's our identity, that that's who we are. See, we all said, I have failed. Failure is an event. It's not a person. But when you and I begin to believe that not only have I failed, I am a failure, that's a bad place to be. Because when we believe that we are a failure, we begin to sabotage the things that God wants to do in our life. Because we believe deep down inside we don't deserve it. We believe that at some point we're going to mess it all up. And we just believe that we're a failure. The good things that happen to us are only short-lived because I'm just a failure. I'm going to mess it all up. Failure is an event. It's not a person. When God made you, he did not make a mistake. When he created you, he did not create a failure. When he chose you, he chose someone to do some significant things in this world for his glory and for his purposes. When we fail, it's an event. It's not who we are. But if we will learn from it and say, God, teach me through this, you know what happens then? Is that God redeems our failure. I'm telling you this, guys. God loves to redeem our failure. Let me prove it. Go back to the scripture. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Here's what it says. Now, first, Jesus had gone to the cross. He's dead. He's been raised to life. And he's called his disciples together. He says, you know, go into the whole world and spread this message all over the earth. And then he ascends to heaven before their very eyes. And then they go and they hang out for a while. They pray. God pours out the Holy Spirit. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, like Ken Reynolds is there leading worship and everybody's singing at the top of their lungs. They're going all crazy. You know, they're fervent for God. And people start to hear like, what, what's going on over there at that, that Resurrection Life Church on Ivan Rest, man? Let's go check out this spectacle. And people start coming around seeing what's going on. That's what's going on right here. Verse 37. And Peter speaks to all these people that are saying, what's up here? And it says, Peter's words pierce their hearts. What words? The words that he said that Jesus had been risen, had rose from the dead. He's the risen Christ. And so they're convicted deeply. And so, and then it says, they said to him and to the other apostles, well, what do we do? And Peter says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And you know what? That message is the same today as it was back then. It's even true in California. Repent of your sins and turn to God. 
That's what Peter tells them. He says, if you baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Go down to verse 41. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About how many in all? 3,000. Now grasp the immensity of this moment. Four or five weeks before this moment, Peter is saying vehemently, I don't know the man. And he walks away weeping bitterly because he just denied the very one who's believed in him. A few weeks later, God pours out his spirit. And who does he choose to be the first person to voice the message of the resurrected Jesus to an unbelieving world. The birth of the New Testament church, 3,000 people put faith in Christ because of who said what? Peter, the very one who denied him. Tell me God doesn't love to redeem failure. And I'll politely say, you're crazy. He totally redeemed this man and used him to launch his church. I was, uh, I'm going to pray in just a moment and wrap this up, but I was, it was probably four, four or five years ago, sitting in the kitchen of Alan Agnes Kirkstra. How many of you guys know Pastor Al? Sitting right here. Nobody knows you. Raise your hand if you know Pastor Al. Okay, eight of them. You got to get around. You got to be a little more social, Al. You got to make some friends. We've been talking about that. Another failure. Another, another failure. <laughs> I'm sitting at his kitchen table processing a difficult season that I was in. Difficult is an understatement. And Al's the one who basically told me failure is an event, Scott. It's not who you are. But if you'll learn from this, you'll grow through this, and God will redeem it, and you'll be more equipped later than you ever could have been. And I sincerely pray that for a few of us, maybe many of us, this is your kitchen table moment at Al's house. You walked in here, maybe not on the forefront of your mind, like, oh, I'm a failure. You know, I'm not saying that we you know, have to have be, be at that place. But things are resurrecting in you right now, coming up going, oh, failed, failed marriage. I think I failed as a parent, you know, my kids are crazy, I still am a Buckeye fan, and you know, all this, then I'm like, oh, I failed, God. It's an event. It's not who you are. You were created in God's image. And his calling on your life is to further his purposes in the world. I want to challenge you and encourage you. We're going to worship. In fact, if Ken's in the room, I want to ask the team to come up, and we're going to worship. And as we do, just Take that failure that maybe you've been holding on to and identifying yourself with that and just as we worship, just, just by faith, just lay it down and say, God, it's not who I am. Yeah, I did it. I did it. I'm not living in denial. And if there's still something to learn from it, say, God, show me. What can I learn? How can I grow? But how about we honor our Heavenly Father by saying, God, this is not who I am. I'm who you say I am. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm here to bring glory to you. So I want you to stand up with me, if you, if you will, for a moment. Because some of us are going to walk out of this room in just a few minutes with a, a freedom. You know, we like to talk about freedom at Resurrection Life Church because 
That's what God wants to bring to our life. And for some of us, I really believe that we're going to walk out of here free from the overwhelming sense of failure in our life. And we're going to learn from it, and we're going to move forward. Anybody here ready to move forward? Okay, let's worship. Ken, are you ready, my friend? I appreciate you, man. I love your hair. It's awesome. <laughs>